This is Real Housewives of the Kingdom, a sweet space where you'll hear from the hearts of fellow housewives in the kingdom of God, some just like you and some really different in various walks of life. We will talk about how God is walking with us through the good and the hard. I pray you'll be encouraged and entertained as we laugh and sometimes cry together. Most of all, I hope it reminds you we're in this together and you are not alone. We are still in our Define Ministry series, and today's guest is Beverly Powers. She's a wife, mama, and grandma who loves Jesus something fierce, which bubbles over into pretty much anyone who gets near her. It's also cool to note that their son through adoption is the biological son of a dear longtime friend of ours. After our friend got the opportunity to meet his son, as an adult, he continued to be a big part of his life. This included helping serve at a Christmas event hosted by the Powers to love on the homeless hearts in their community. Our friend invited us to serve too, which is how I met Beverly. You will love hearing her heart for people and be so encouraged at how God is moving through their willing hands. Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you back to Real Housewives of the Kingdom. And we are in our series called Define Ministry and just chatting with different people who are serving God in really cool and awesome ways. Today, I have a special guest, Beverly Powers. And I met Beverly because her and her husband are the parents of a friend of ours, a son who was adopted when he was a baby. And so we met uh, years ago and my husband and I got a chance to serve with them uh, in their ministry and we're just so blown away by just everything God is doing through them and just their true hearts for the Lord. But I'm gonna let Beverly tell you more about it. Welcome, Beverly. Oh, thank you, Caroline. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I just, um, I just think about the, some of the first times that we, or the first time that I met you and just, uh, your heart for the Lord is just so sweet. And I just loved chatting with you. I felt like I could chat with you like all day long. <laughs> Same way. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, why don't you introduce yourself and talk about how long you've been walking with Jesus? I asked Jesus into my heart when I was 16 at a young life camp, uh, Woodley, California. And he basically was really pursuing me mm -hmm. and opened my heart July 5th, 1980. Awesome. And uh, do you want to share a little bit about uh, your family? You're married, obviously. You have kids and grandkids. And I don't know if you want to share a little bit about that. I have two, my children, I have two stepchildren, but I consider, consider them all my children. So now we have a house of four, 32, a 32, a 28, and a 30. I have a grandson who's one of the love of my life. And uh, Michael Powers, that's my husband. And we've been married 16 years mm. and uh, work together at his business in Azusa and do all the homeless things over there in Azusa as well. Awesome. We are going to just dive into your ministry and what it is. So we, when we met you guys, we were helping out with your Christmas event. There is a community of homeless people in the city that they live in, in Azusa, California, and they really reach out to them in a unique way. And so uh, why don't you tell us how the ministry got started and about the ministry and exactly what you guys do? Uh, I got here in 2009 to Michael's business in Azusa. I think it was 2011, a gentleman named Sammy 
met my husband at the, in the driveway one day when he was moving chairs around. And he said, hey, do you got any work for, can I work for a hamburger? And Michael's mm-hmm. like, sure. So we helped him with that, gave him money. And then uh, they went to lunch at Costco. And then that, I don't, I think that was a Saturday. Monday came around and Sammy came dangling, <laughs> knocking at the door, ringing our doorbell and asked if we had any work. And Michael went out the stairs onto an appointment and left me with a stranger. <laughs> and I'm like, hello, got any work? I'm like, well, can you wa- wash windows? And he's like, sure. Well, six hours later, he finished like three, win- four windows because he was so messed out, which I didn't know anything about meth when we started, but. It took him six hours and the next day got any work. And he's, I said, can you dust? And so he dusted and that took six hours to do five dusts, you know, (laughs) broke some things. And uh, that was the beginning of it. And uh, it touched my heart so much. starting to cry. Mm, That's okay. It just touched my heart so much that I would go to bed every night. God, how do I clean him next night? How do I keep him warm? How do I feed him? I'd go home and then God would wake me up in the night at four. I'd love to wake me up at four. And, or he would wake me, or I just wake up with an answer. Things on my heart. And we didn't have a kitchen. We just had a old copy room and I had a tea kettle and I would just make eggs. I would make hard boiled eggs in my tea kettle. I would get clothes. I would just, you know, it was just little by little learning how to take care of God's little babies, mm-hmm. like their basic needs. I just remember one night he came in here, it was lightning and thunder and raining, and it must have been I was here at a one in the morning working, and he came in and, and he like crashed on the floor, and I just got him a pillow, and he was probably coming down <laughs> off meth. His nose was running from meth, and I didn't know. Like I said, I didn't know anything about meth, the whole meth thing. I was just oblivious, which was so beautiful. Because it didn't, nothing scared me. Mm. And it's like, the, Sammy and I spent probably every day together from those moments on. And then Sammy took me out on the street to start introducing me to homeless people. And my first guy, his name was Bill. And it's the first time God spoke to me during the day, he started teaching me. And Bill had black teeth and black fingernails. And black hands they had ashtrays and ashtrays full of ashes. And this man was so unloved. I've never seen anything like it. Hmm. And I went and got him a hamburger from Carl's Jr. And I went to give it to him and he went take it. He could not receive love. Hmm. And I don't, I asked God in my head, like, why in my heart? Why would you take my hamburger? I don't even think I was meaning to ask God, but it was a question in my heart. Like, why won't you take my hamburger? And I heard Holy Spirit. He said, and I'll never forget it. He said, people who are abused believe the lie they're not worth loving. Mm. And it was one of the greatest nuggets he ever gave me to teach me about 99% of our humanity down here that mm. are believing that lie because we've been traumatized or abused. I don't know, maybe it's 90, but I'm sure it's in the 90s. Yeah. And he just gave me that. But at some point, I think it might have been that moment, he's talked to me about homeless hearts and he said, homeless hearts eventually become homeless mm-hmm. and that's when he gave me the root uh-huh. of what a treasure you know and that's basically what i believe in all my understanding talking to god through the years about this is it's the orphan spirit mm-hmm. but it 
precious he for me that he he called it a homeless heart so beautiful and that's when I said what do you mean what do you mean I asked this for years what do you mean homeless heart I don't understand I knew it was the orphan spirit I knew I had a homeless heart I knew I had the orphan spirit and that was part of my journey I knew the homeless people had it but I was like what do you mean homeless heart? How does a heart get homeless? And basically I was talking to my brother one night about a homeless heart. And he, I had the God told him right on the phone. He said, tell her to look into King Nebuchadnezzar. She will find the secret of mental illness. And so I did. And basically it was the same thing Satan did where he said he lifted up his heart. Hmm. And I was like, God, are you telling me that the heart and the head change position, is that what happens? Do we leave our hearts when we're, when we're abused, when we're traumatized, when we're hurt to avoid mental, to avoid pain, we hide up in our head? Is that what you mean? I still never got a yes, yes, Beverly, but uh, it's something to do with that. It's, I just, I want to tell you these nuggets that he gave me that are so precious. You know, we can have all the committees we want, discuss it and try to help people, but we really have a homeless heart problem. Mm. I love that what you said about what God told you that the homeless hearts become homeless, because I think, you know, one thing that I, that I learned from you guys from helping out with the Christmas event was that not every single person who lives on the street or who has a drug or alcohol problem that doesn't have a home is desiring to have what we necessarily have. They might not be in a place. I think there's some people who believe, oh, just give them, just give them money, give them a house, give them a car. And that was something that you told us before we prayed, before we started the event, you know, to just realize that these people just need to be loved on. And, you know, they might not, they might not take, you could hand them the keys to a brand new house and they might not take it. Um, but we need to focus on loving them right where they're at. And so I love your heart. And that was like really what I saw when we saw that event take place is just your your heart for them and seeing them for people which they are and I think sometimes they can seem like a problem in our society like okay this is just a problem we need to fix because we need to get them like out of our way so we can live our lives but I really see you guys treating them as the problem is the thing that they're going through and the battles that they're facing, not necessarily that they're in our way or in the way in society. Yeah, I think our model, and, and this is this is what's so beautiful. Oh God, I almost forgot. One day I was driving into work and God said to me, you're the hands of my heart. And I went, oh my oh. God, oh my gosh, you're a spirit. <laughs> of course you are. Of course I'm your hands. You know, I've gone to meetings where prophetic people have said, you have a lot of people's hands in your hearts in your hands. I've seen hearts in your hands, you know. Mm -hmm. I thought, wow, what a what a privilege for us, you know, to care for people's little wounded hearts, to love people's heart, to nurture their hearts, to, you know, part of my my thing, I chase people down the street mm -hmm. and just say, You're worth loving, you're mm -hmm. worth loving. You're worth loving. And I'm telling you, I would do this after this one guy. His name was Tito. And I know he's long gone. He's probably in heaven by now. I haven't seen him. I would just chase him. He was literally unlovable. He rejected love. And I knew that he was under that lie. He was in agreement with that lie. He wasn't worth loving. So one day I finally got him and a tear went down his eye. <laughs> I broke 
prove that lie. And I thought, man, my job, our job is to bust the lie that people are not worth loving. I don't care if you're homeless or not homeless. There's so many of us that have been through divorce and trauma and abuse who believe that lie at the deepest level subconsciously and don't even know it. That's our job is to love people down here, to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love others as we love ourselves. What does that mean? We have to receive God's love. There's a lot of, like me, me, I've had to learn to receive I'm worth loving, to believe I'm worth loving, to break that lie that I'm not worth loving. How can I love others if I don't believe I'm worth loving? I can't give them God's love if I haven't received it either. So if that's my journey mm-hmm. and I'm here to love people, whether you're homeless or not, they're not our my pro they're not Michael and my project. And that's something we teach people that come and help and want to love and serve. It's like, okay, people are not our project. We're not here to fix them. We are not here to preach to them. We're not here to shove Jesus down their throats. I have we have really strict rules. We are we have adopted this family and it's like our model is really God's given us instructions basically to adopt people like family and love people like family mm-hmm. and this is called our azusa family mm-hmm. we don't advertise the word homeless i usually don't use the word ministry or anything i said this is our azusa family dinner i'm <laughs> trying to generate that culture because i don't want to call them a people type mm-hmm. this is the people we've adopted and we love them and whether they're in jail we have a few in jail for murder we've people who have died with people i can't tell you they're just little rascals <laughs> but we love and love is the the fruit of the spirit there is nothing greater there is nothing there's no law against the fruit of the spirit so that's the greatest fruit we have to kill the enemy's lies you know and get people free is just loving people and, and i think the model god wants us to do with our with homeless with everybody really we're all the same people is to come as you are it's just to be god to people with god what is he come as you are don't be you don't have to be religious you don't have to stand on your head you don't have to vote do devotions and read the bible through just come i want to love you just be loved well and that's what attracts you know, people you know like i think of jesus ministry on the earth and like he met people in their needs i've been reading through mark and i'm like you know, he met them in their need when they had leprosy, when they were paralyzed and he had dinner with the most despicable people of the town, you know, the tax collectors and the um, prostitutes and, you know, all of these people. And it's so cool because he met them right where they were at and loved them. And I love that you said that you don't view them as projects. And I think it's why you guys have had such a successful family, why people have trusted you with their lives and their hearts, because you have honestly come at it as it isn't a project. And even with the word ministry, and this is why I'm doing this series is because I feel like while ministry within the church is great, that there is many other ways we can serve God in our communities and in our lives. And so that was Uh, I love that you said that, that even using the word ministry can sometimes maybe bring not the right view that you want to it. Yeah. (laughs) I just love people, right? Mm -hmm. That's how I see. So whatever that means, what's love, that's service and sacrifice. That's simple. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to sacrifice my time and I'm going to care for your need. I'm not going to hurt myself doing it. We, you can't come here at all five. I'm sorry. Go away. We have a business. (laughs) business. I love my employees. I love my customers. I'm sorry. Don't come here till five. <laughs> so if you love people, you also love yourself and you give boundaries. Yeah. So 
That's <laughs> interesting. That's, and that's important too. Um, so maybe describe a little bit. So I kind of started talking about it, the Christmas event that you guys put together, the family dinner that you do for Christmas, but explain what you do to cultivate this family and love on the people in your community. I, I think this started eight years ago, maybe. I just started letting people use our address. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, I don't know what it is about me, but I look at things like, what, what's your block? Why are you blocked? Where are you stuck? Where I see, if I see someone stuck um, or myself, where am I stuck? I figure, wow, all they need is a ride. <laughs> what stands between you and healing is a car ride. What stands between you and the doctor? Car ride. What stands you between you and getting your driver's license and your EBT card? And your social security card is a ride or maybe a computer. You don't have a computer, but I have one. We have uh, vets who can't get benefits until I get they get their DD-214 military release records. Wow. So one thing that they're stuck at is where I like to help with that. So we started doing mail nine years ago. We probably have 150 people we do mail for. And it's like, Everything that came in today, except for stupid magazine, was homeless mail. I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> no mail for Powers Furniture today. <laughs> so we do a lot of mail. It's time consuming and it's overwhelming. But I just thought, you know, one day at a time, just file it in. And then I sometimes I just, it's stuck in my ABCD filer and it sits there, which it is right now till we have dinner next week. And I'll probably have somebody file for me, you know, when I volunteers come because I'm overwhelmed, you know, at work, but, uh, they come Tuesdays and Thursdays at five to five fifteen, And if they try to come earlier, we say no, <laughs> but that's their little mail call. We're not a mail service, but we do mail. And now LASA and, uh, it used to be Los Angeles mental health center, division three triage team. And then LASA came up, bubbled up. So now LASA division three, we work with, and they call me and they pick up people's driver's license and EBT cards so they can help them get assistance because uh, they need those. They need the EBT card, especially to start doing the, getting them into ho- motels, hotels, and apartments. Mm-hmm. And- Let's do dinners. We do dinners once a month. It used to be every week until this ex- our business started exploding and we had to just keep dropping it down. So we do once a month because we're not food bank. We're not a meal service. We are just people who love people and we want to connect with them. Um, LASA has been going crazy with the sheriffs cleaning out the riverbed here for a year. So we're probably down to 30 people in the riverbed. Our numbers are shrinking. Wow. Good thing. And it's a, not, I don't even want to say a bad thing. It's just a shift. Mm-hmm. Shift that's been happening is people are going into housing. And so we're helping LASA get people into housing but our, we're, they're leaving, kind of leaving our lives a little bit. Mm. And so we're, we're missing them, but they're coming back to the dinners to, to say hi to each other. Because mm. little loophole problem with the housing is they're putting them in areas where they're all alone. Huh. And it is a problem. And That's... so they'll leave their housing back to the riverbed because they're lonely. So there is a, that is a little issue. I don't think LASA has really thought about that we're trying to help educate them. Even if you even if you have the resources and are an outgoing person and a job and all of the things, I mean, we just moved uh, in March, and it's not easy. It's not easy to start community in a new place, even even when you have other things put into place. Not 
you know, especially so if you have a mental illness or, you know, other issues that you're dealing with, I mean, I can't even imagine how hard that would be for them. Yeah. So a lot of them end up coming back. I don't know how this housing thing is going to pan out. We're just watching it. But I watch God. God's a seasonal God. You look at the seasons. He's a seasonal God. Seasons are a big deal. And it's all important. We keep shifting when God sets a new season in place. Maybe your mission is the same, but it's now it's shifting right? Mm. Now we're down to probably 40 people showing up for dinner. Does that mean we're failures? No. Now sometimes only one person comes for mail where there used to be a line of 30. So this, we're in a huge shift right now. And I'm always like, okay, what's next? Where are we going? What is, what does it look like now? It's so important that we keep asking God, what does it look like now? Mm. Is it, are we going to do less homeless right now and shifting our areas somewhere? Or, you know, eventually we're going to sell the business and we have an engraver and we have bracelets we're going to do and a whole thing. We want to start in the city of Azusa and hopefully be able to replicate it through the country where we adopt people. We give them a bracelet. We have a database for first responders and we know all their information. If something ever happens to them, we want to start that here. We haven't been able to because our business has gone crazy. I've got <laughs> Just go crazy. We've had to just back burner that. It's just not the season yet. But, but that's planted it in your heart, obviously. And it's like a dream, which is really cool. Yes. And he gave Michael a dream that night and me a vision of the bracelet that morning. And we both came out in the hallway and went, Oh my God, guess what I just saw? Guess what I just saw? I knew it was from God, which was really cool, but it's not, it wasn't for right now. That's always I- tricky when God gives you a vision for the future. And then you're like, wait, when is it? <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Our bracelets are sitting, the engraver's been sitting, and now we're getting close to Michael retiring and selling the business, and we'll, maybe we can get start getting grants and be employees and all that. Bracelets, and that's a whole, we don't know. I'm just like, okay, God, I'm going to move with your season, you know? That's awesome. Hey, hey guys, guys, it's Kevin. And Caroline. Rogers. Rogers. As you probably know by now, we love our marriage and are so passionate about giving others the tools they need to truly have a joyful marriage. It breaks our hearts to know the divorce rate, whether you are a Christian or not, is 50%. Yikes. We also know that nobody gets married and hopes to have a divorce. Exactly. This is why we feel God has given us the motivation to equip as many couples as possible before walking down the aisle. On our 20th wedding anniversary, we launched an online premarital course. We share our own experiences as well as what God's Word says about marriage. In it, we go over five cornerstones of a healthy God-honoring marriage and give you tangible tips on how to walk in it. You'll have over five hours of video teaching from us along with downloadable resources to take into your marriage. We have always loved our marriage and want you to love yours too. If you're getting married and would love to have some great tools to take into marriage, join us today for the course. Hey, even if you know anyone who is getting married, be sure to share this info with them. Link to the course is in the show notes or on our website, MarriedRogersNeighborhood.com. While you're busy planning your wedding, don't forget to plan your marriage. Join Join us and and learn learn how how to thrive and not just survive. So when I got to see what they did. So like she said, they did, we're doing dinners once a week. Now they're doing them once a month. Um, But at Christmas time, they did a special dinner where people would come and serve them kind of like they were at a restaurant. Um, So it was like a family (laughs) dinner and they were at a restaurant and we had uh, entertainment. Uh, That's what I did. Actually, Um, I was a aerialist for 
a, a lot of years. And so I got to come and uh, do a little performance uh, for the Lord, really, but their family um, at the dinner. And so it was just, it was, is really cool to see. That's so interesting that they're moving them to houses. How many people were in the riverbed previously, do you think? Before they started moving? Huh? 150. And they're yeah. probably 30 people, maybe, or less. Wow. They're there and keep, oh, you're still there. You're still there because they're evading the sheriffs. They just keep moving and hiding. And, the, and that's what we, the sheriffs have been doing this clean out for 10 years. Then they just move and then they clean out and then move. But this has been super serious. It's so cool though, because I mean, one of the things you shared with me the last time that I was with you was there was a young woman who had had a a baby and um, the baby was uh, was taken from her, but she'd had a C-section and they had only put her up for a certain amount of time in a hotel to heal. And you guys were like, there's no way she has to have some more days. She's really still not healed to get on the street. And I thought that was so cool. And then I think that if, correct me if I'm wrong, but that you guys even kind of helped facilitate making sure the baby got to the right type of people to be able to get adopted and hopefully get out of the system. Oh my gosh, that was an amazing story. The Dean's baby, she got pregnant, beautiful pregnancy as far as the mom is concerned. She wanted the baby. There was no rejection in utero, which was beautiful. Mm -hmm. She loved that baby. Even in the hospital, she was just kissing it, naming her and just total denial that she could keep it. But she, that baby had a great in utero as far as her mother's attitude and thoughts about the baby, which I was so proud of her. But she ended up, she was supposed to have the baby in March. And then one day, Brian, her, the dad came running here and said, Janine had her baby. So I ran over to the hospital, called Michael. I said, Michael, she had the baby early, but was on time. They were just off on the car. I said, go get the adoption papers quick. Because we had talked to her about it. And he printed everything out and ran over there with adoption papers. CPS was already over there. The baby, when we got there, she was at least holding the baby. And CPS was like, who are you? And we're like, we're, she's adopting this child. We found parents where we actually came over with a book to Janine and said, do you want to pick a parent out? And she picked a couple out through Nightlight Christian Adoption Agency. Michael's on the board. So we knew what to do. And so we brought the book. She picked the parents down in Orange County and signed all the paperwork and we kicked CPS out. So, oh my God, that was an amazing moment. It was the greatest triumph ever to kick them out. So that baby didn't get stuck in the system with a mother who was going to be selfish, not give it up for adoption and make the baby just stay and go and foster homes and have another abused life and uproot and move and uproot and move and you know how the life goes of a foster child mm -hmm. it's a very hard life for a child anyway so that baby's in a beautiful home with a couple beautiful christian couple and she they send pictures all the time and has kept in touch with uh, janine and sent pictures to janine all the time and it was just just beautiful story and we did uh, another one we did a baby adoption a few years ago uh, two years ago so we've been able to get two guests to give their babies to an adopt to adoptive parents. Mm. 
That's so incredible. So not only are you serving your community of homeless hearts, but you are also, you guys both have a very uh, close heart to adoption. So it's so cool that God kind of like melded the two worlds that are on your hearts. My my sister is in the middle of adopting my niece right now, and uh, that's been a pretty incredible thing. And I think about you guys actually all all the time through this whole like process. Well, you know that what the Bible says about Abba Father and adoption. It's that's God's model is to adopt us really as sons and daughters, not just kids anymore. We're not just we're not just little human beings. We are actually sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're adopted, we're accepted in the beloved, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> good model for us. And I, you know, you look at the Old Testament and things on God's heart is the widow and the orphan. Mm-hmm. It's so on his heart because he knows, he knows we get broken. He knows we get hurt. He knows what happens to our heart and our head. He knows, he knows how we get helpless and then we get demonized and then get into self-medicating and everything. And he, we're his precious little babies, you know? And I think just adopting people and unloving people is just so powerful, you know? Absolutely. And I just love to even, um, and we don't have time to even really go into sharing all the stories you've even shared with me over the times that I've been with you. But just, I mean, the opportunities to pray with people and just really, I mean, you've shared kind of where you meet their physical needs and their emotional needs and the fact that you're not shoving Jesus in their face, but you are being the hands and feet of Jesus and sharing with them when their hearts are wanting to hear about him and wanting to know who he is. Yeah. I'm I'm not the greatest intercessor, but I love praying with people. Mm. And anyone and if I ask them, they will sit down and do inner healing with me. Mm. And I've had some amazing sessions with people, homeless people, everybody, but just uh-huh. the, the people that are finally willing to come and just sit down with me in private. And they've had encounters with Jesus. So many beautiful encounters I've had. If they're open, I will have sessions with them too. Love to do that. That's incredible. And it's just such a good, it's good, I feel like, for people to hear. I think that it's hard to know how to step in and help when you see problem, as we would call it in our society, of there's people in need and how do we help them without completely enabling them. And I think that you've kind of talked really good about how you do boundaries. You do help them. Uh, but you say, you know, not until five o'clock, you're going to, you're not going to come here before five o'clock. And so I think it's really cool to see kind of how God has just constructed your outreach to them and your cultivating of your family with them. Um, what advice would you give to anybody listening in terms of if their hearts are for the people who have homeless hearts um, or who uh, do not have homes, what would you say as far as advice? Oh, I would say if God puts them on your heart, because we can't stop for everybody. <laughs> I drive by homeless people every day. Guess mm-hmm. what? I'm not responsible for everybody. So that's number one. You're not responsible for everybody. Your job is to just love people. You know, it's these people, you don't want to take people on as a burden and a project. So basically when you get up in the morning, God, put someone in front of me who you want me to love. I'll stop because this is our job. 
you want to be flexible and you want to be available for God, even though you're busy, you got kids, you got jobs, we're all busy. Mm. God, if anyone needs your touch today, your encouragement and your hope and your love, put them in front of me today. Mm. Find out who he wants you to stop for. That would be the number one advice. If he doesn't want you to stop, then don't stop. <laughs> you know? Because his heart will pull you. I could tell you the story after story where the Holy Spirit will pull people and say, stop for that man. And then they'll drive off and the Holy Spirit will say, turn around and go talk to that homeless man. And then they'll my card. Hey, and then they'll call me. Hey, this is so-and-so. This person gave me your card. And then they'll tell me the story how the God just kept saying to stop for that person. It's just <laughs> the other thing is if you uh, have a habit, habitual problem of rescuing people, just make sure you're not doing anything out of rescuing people. Mm. I'm saying in the nicest way, because this is something I had to deal with and a lot of us have to deal with um, that need to rescue. I don't want to go into that, but usually it's because you need to take care of some inside of you. Mm. So find yourself a chronic rescuer, just do some inventory. <laughs> this is very important too. There's a difference between sympathy and compassion. Mm. Com pulls people up, sympathy, Susan's. Wow. So if you want to, you're being moved with compassion and not sympathy. Huh. And usually it might be because you're projecting your own stuff mm. on the other person feeling sorry for yourself but you don't realize it so you're feeling sorry for everyone else just want to be really careful you're moving in compassion that's how jesus moved he didn't move in sympathy he had compassion on people keep your inventory right am i rescuing am i being sympathetic or is god pulling my heart because it's there's compassion happening so just always check 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 and that that goes for anybody and the other thing is and i got this from heidi baker she always say this love has to look like something Mm -hmm. Love is not a concept. It's not words. Don't tell me you love me. Show me. That's a good thing, too, to get up in the morning with your family, your kids. Ask specifically, God, what's on your heart for this person today? What does love look like for my daughter today, for my husband? What does the love look like for the homeless today? Does it look like something? Or am I just needing to look love myself today? Do I need to just go to Disneyland and act like a kid? And because I need love today. Keeping the balance of love and compassion for self and for others. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. And I think because I think it can kind of start to feel heavy when you see so much need and oh, yeah. you said it, you can put it onto yourself and that, you know, by filling, you're filling a need for yourself by helping them versus just moving in compassion. And so I think that was really, uh, really wise advice on that front. How can we be praying for you guys and uh, what you're doing? And if people are interested in getting involved, how uh, is the best way to point them to you guys? Well, we started a nonprofit that has been just sitting for a while because <laughs> our business started exploding. It's called I Am Someone. We have a website that's not developed. It's called IamSomeone.org. I think we have email and everything's just been sitting, but you can always contact us through Beverly at powersfurniture.com or Michael P at powersfurniture.com. We have two churches in Glendora helping us. It's actually one of our former employees who God put on his heart to take care of all the meals. So all Michael and I have to do is just go love people. It's just been amazing. And it's been the group that has stuck with us the whole time. It's their 
it's their thing for their Bible. It's their Bible study group. And now there's another church involved. And now we have more volunteers than people at the moment because their people are shrinking and the volunteers are growing. <laughs> Maybe when we start the bracelets and get into that, you know, I just don't know what the next season is. We're winding down a, a very, very full season at the office furniture. And so for me, it's going to it's gonna be a big surprise what's around the corner too. <laughs> I'm like a little kid, but what's next? I don't know what we need help with. <laughs> I am knee deep in furniture installation right now. So I don't even know quite how to answer that, but I gave out our email now and then we can keep him on file and, uh, I, and we'll see what the next season brings. Yeah, We well, have a pamphlet for people to fill out when we start training people to fill out people's life story, all the questions to ask, how to develop the relationship and get all that information. <laughs> on a person, which our vision, my vision, I think it's Michael's vision too, is for everyone to be adopted, where there's either a church that takes one, a family that takes one, or a business that takes one, or maybe a few. That's when everything will start growing, I think, again. That's cool. Well, that is, that actually gives us a, a lot of uh, things to pray for, for you guys for the next season. And who knows uh, if you're listening and you have some resource and this is a vision that God's given you too. I mean, I don't know, maybe he's putting it on your heart to reach out and help out however you can to get things started when that season comes. So, so I'm just excited to hear about that. Thank you so much for just sharing your heart with us. I just loved it. I Wish I could talk to you for another hour, but she actually has uh, people coming to pick up mail today, so we can't keep her for too long. So uh, we are going to close with the rapid fire questions. What is your life verse or favorite scripture and why? Psalm 91. I love it. There's a, oh my gosh, that's the other thing. I started searching the garden of the heart and uh, that's an incredible dive into the word. It's strung through the whole Bible. If you look, if you look up the word garden and do a search in the Bible, Jesus died in the garden. He got arrested in the garden. Adam and Eve were started in the garden. It goes on and on and on. <laughs> oh my God. So there we are. Psalm 91. While he walks with me, talks with me in the garden uh, under the shadow of his wing. That's my favorite verse. It was my grandma's favorite verse. I love it. The secret place is just the garden of your heart. It's going into the garden of your heart with God, letting him in your garden. Hmm. I love, love it. Where is your favorite vacation spot? Probably Waimanalo, Hawaii, Oahu. <laughs> probably and if you could have one superpower what would it be and why well my my dream and my what i dream about and envision in my imagination is hugging people and having them be healed of mental illness and demons flying out of people <laughs> walking into mental ill places and demons flying out of leaving people. I, that's what my dream of my lifetime is, is to just hug people and see people healed. I love that. That's, I think, the best superpower of this podcast that anybody's ever said what they wanted. <laughs> I love it. That's so awesome. Um, okay, so we will, I'm going to link in the show notes for your nonprofit and I will uh, link your email so that people can get a hold of you if they are interested in being involved. And I am just so grateful for our conversation today, Beverly. We're going to let you get to uh, your people, to your family. Um, but thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Hey, friends. That's it for today. 
I'm truly grateful you joined us. If you think others would be encouraged by this episode, you can easily share it by taking a screenshot and adding it to your stories or feed. You can also text it to a friend. New episodes are available every Friday. Be sure to subscribe so you can catch them all. You can find and interact with me on Facebook and Instagram at Married Rogers Neighborhood, as well as my website, which I linked in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show today, I would so appreciate if you could take a second to rate and give a five-star review. It helps more people find it, which makes a huge difference for me and the podcast. Just remember, we are in this together. God loves you, and you are not alone. See you next time.